Sisters, this is Zach Prima. I'm here with Pastor Alex. And Alex, as you obviously know, at Emmanuel Church, we hold as our confession to the abstract of principles. Article 8 is on regeneration. And the abstract says as follows, Regeneration is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit, who quickeneth the dead in trespasses and sins, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the Word of God and renewing their whole nature so that they love and practice holiness. It is a work of God's free and special grace alone. Mm -hmm. That's an article on regeneration, Mm -hmm. which is basically synonymous with what we want to talk about today, and that's Mm -hmm. the new birth. Mm -hmm. You preach uh, on Titus uh, 3 this week on this topic of the new birth. Mm -hmm. Alex, with that definition I just read on regeneration, what is the new birth? Well, um, a few things could be said. The, The new birth... Uh, is presented to us most famously in John 3, uh, in Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus. But new birth is spoken of, again, numbers of times in the New Testament. Peter speaks about it, of course, in 1 Peter. Uh, The new birth, it should be said, is God's work principally, not ours. It's being born from above, born of God's Spirit. It is a work of God. It's not a work of man. It should be said the new birth takes place in the human heart, Hmm. in, in the inner man, the inner person. Um, I, I say that to say it's not it's not something externally that that we do. It's not an action of ours. Yeah. It's not the emphasis is, is on what God does in the heart, what God does in the inner person. Um, so it's a work of God. It's a work of God in in, in the human heart, and um, it involves a washing away of sins, um, a, a washing away, a cleansing by mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it involves a total transformation of uh, the human heart uh, that that ultimately produces a new nature that that um, takes on certain characteristics: a hatred of sin, hmm. a love of God, um, faith in the Lord Jesus, um, and then, of course, actual actual holiness of life. So, so. Yeah, the new birth brings out a, a total transformation, total change. Another way this is kind of captured is in Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, where we we read that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. It's hmm. a new person, a new being, a new a new man. Old things have passed away; all things have become new. The actual mechanics of the new birth, h- how God does this, is somewhat mysterious. But of course, the effects are prominent, and the effects are definitive and objective. A, cleansing from sin, a washing from sin, and a, a, an inner renewal, a transformation, a new nature that is brought about through new birth. Hmm. Can somebody be a Christian without experiencing the new birth? No. If what you mean by that is, um, can someone be a Christian without actually being born again? Yeah. Yeah, the answer is no. New birth is, in, in John 3, is introduced to Nicodemus as the means of entering the kingdom of God. Hmm. What, what what must happen in order for someone to become a, uh, um, a member of the kingdom of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God, they must be born again. If he's going to have eternal life, he must be born of God's spirit. Um, of course, the passage that we considered this past week was in Titus 3, where Paul actually describes the nature of salvation. He describes the nature of salvation as, as being caught up in in this issue of washing and renewal of, of new birth, of regeneration. 
And so, no, you cannot be saved apart from the new birth. Now, what some people will mean, this is why I wonder what you were asking, mm-hmm. can, can you be saved without experiencing the new birth? Sometimes people talk about the new birth, there's a heavy emphasis on pinpointing some sort of emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis is on what we have externally experienced, or, right. or well, I suppose internally, mm-hmm. but there ha- we have to be cognizant of the actual moment and all of that. I don't think that needs to be the case. So yeah. I don't think... Some people put a lot of emphasis on when did you have your born-again experience mm-hmm. and the emphasis on having some sort of epiphany or some sort of heightened emotional experience or something. It doesn't happen that way for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't all have Damascus Road experiences. The new birth is discerned ultimately by its effects. And for some, that can, that can happen over a season of time, a period of time. Um, we don't always have to emphasize that it's, it's momentary that we realize the new birth has taken place. Hmm. You've touched on it a little bit, but what do you suppose is commonly misunderstood about conversion or the new birth? Well, uh, in our context, I would say primarily that it's something we do. Hmm. That that conversion is ultimately, principally, mm-hmm. a, a decision I make. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis is on it's on decisionism on 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 me making a choice between two options. Yeah. The emphasis in conversion is not on what Christ does. It's not on the activity of God's Spirit. Which, wouldn't you say that's even linguistically bizarre? I mean, conversion is yeah. a passive verb. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that you experience that's done something to that's you. Something that's done upon you. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we think of, you know, I... We, I, we think, oh, I, I converted to Lutheranism. Or I, converted I converted from drinking coffee to drinking tea. Yeah. I mean, it could be really shallow in that yeah. regard. Um but no, I mean, the, the biblical language is principally regeneration, new birth, and yeah. the emphasis whenever that's brought up is on what God himself does, not on any external work of ours or any even even any decision that we make. Hmm. It's on what God has done. And so I think that would be my largest concern is, is, is if new birth and regeneration is construed such that the focus is on the volitional decisions we make, that, that God has done his part. And what distinguishes between those who are born again and those who are not is now our part. What, what decision did we make between the options available to us? And it's just not the emphasis of Scripture. Hmm. Now, what you're describing, which seems like a lower view of conversion, can you see how or explain how a lower view of conversion and, and the new birth can be harmful to the church? Well, in all kinds of ways. A shallow view of conversion will produce shallow Christians. Yeah. And in the worst case, people who aren't actually Christians at all. Hmm people that, that will focus on some sort of decision they made to get their act together and, and truly are not actually converted. Got to understand what salvation actually entails, what it involves. And, and it's not ultimately walking an aisle and praying a prayer, signing a card. It is subjecting oneself to the supernatural activity of God, believing, uh, laying hold of what God does in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly involves volitional decisions of the will, but the new birth does not. The new birth is is prior to the expression of faith. God has to do a work in the heart. If we believe that salvation is, or excuse me, new birth is ultimately man's work and not mm-hmm. God's work, well then a lot of our, um, our, our, our view of preaching, our, our methods of ministry will become inherently man-centered. And the focus will then become on what I can do to induce someone to make the decision I want them to make. Yeah. If new birth, conversion, regeneration is ultimately you making a certain decision, well, now my focus is how can I push people to a decision? And that's where you get to some of the practices that, that personally I would view as somewhat manipulative, to trying to produce 
decisions mm. rather than looking for God to do what only he can do. Mm. Preaching for conviction mm-hmm. is, is different than preaching for decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, preaching for new birth and looking to God to do what only he can do. Um, so uh, Ian Murray, for example, wrote a book called Revival and Revivalism. And his point was revival is that, that, that spirit-wrought work of God where, where grace, the grace of God is showered in an unusual measure to an unusual degree. It's God's work. It's not ours. And the new birth is granted mm. under the appointed means of grace to an extraordinary degree. And it yeah. brings about ex- um, ordinary fruit to an extraordinary degree. Revivalism is man's effort to sort of manufacture the activity of God and to do it in such a way that we can actually produce converts, we can produce decisions. And so the way this normally looks is, is we, we begin to attach fruit to certain strategies of ministry. Mm-hmm. So if you just hold these types of programs, it will yeah. get you this number of conversions and decisions. If you uh, preach in this sort of a way, it will produce this, this volume of decisions. Mm-hmm. If we believe the new birth is ultimately God's work and not ours, and it's the supernatural work of God in regenerating yeah. the, 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 the individual sinner, we wouldn't speak in that way. We wouldn't think in that way. We would think we need to be faithful to the means that God has called us to, preaching, proclaiming the word of God, seeking to, 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 to bring the scriptures to bear on people's lives, and but we're dependent on God to do the work. Yeah. He's the one who brings fruit. Yeah, what, one silly way I think we see this play out is – I'm sure you've had this experience, but I've been invited to preach at revivals before, mm-hmm. and a, a man tells me, "Hey, we're we're planning a revival at our at our church this w- yeah. in a couple weeks," and I just think you don't plan revivals. Well, no, you, you, you pray cannot. for them. You pray for revival. Uh, Jonathan Edwards referred to the revival that he experienced in the Great Awakening as the surprising work of God. Hmm. You don't. You don't. You don't put it on the calendar. Yeah. God's going to rend the heavens and his grace is going to come down this Saturday at, you know, Possum Holler Baptist Church. Yeah. You know, you pray. You know, most of us don't experience revival. Revival is the unusual work of God, mm. you know. And so so ordinarily it's it's the gospel going forward and, and some hopefully are converted. And But the sort of extraordinary things that were going on in the awakenings, those, those revivals or some local revivals you mm-hmm. hear of like in Canvas Lang and Scotland and other places – um, what, what marks them is um, people were carrying on with the ordinary means of grace. Yeah. There was maybe a great deal of prayer, a great deal of piety, but there wasn't like some new measures being yeah. taken to sort of capture the grace of God in a yeah. bottle and to you it's know God's mass market it or something action. like that. Yeah, it's yeah. God's it's God's work mm-hmm. that He is free to, to give and withhold yeah. um, according to his good plans and purposes. And we and, can't manufacture that. And this is obviously not to say, I mean, we should be ambitious. We should, you know, oh, yeah. plan, let's plan evangelistic events. Let's let's try to draw lost people and into the gospel. And let's plead with God that he yeah. would bring revival. You know, that, that seems very biblical in my mind. But I do think that the, 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 the dichotomy I want to to introduce is is this issue of is this God's work or man's work? Is this supernatural transformation by God's spirit or is this decisionism? You know, those th- those are the opinions I, I want to say are are they they're exclusive to one another. Hmm. How do I know if I've experienced the new birth? Principally by its fruits, by by its effects. So. Um, I don't encourage people to try to pinpoint the moment they were born again. Mm-hmm. Again, some can do that. The gospel, they're in a sermon, uh, worship service, the gospel preach with such clarity. In those moments, they know themselves to be a sinner. They repent. They believe God gives those gifts to them in that moment. That certainly happens. 
But in John 3, you know, the Lord compares the new birth to the wind. Mm. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you can't see it. You see the effects of it, essentially. And so, um, just as I can't see wind, but I can see trees bowing, you know, based on the wind, Mm -hmm. you see the effects of new birth. And the Bible is quite clear what the effects of new birth are. It is a transformation of the will that brings about faith and worship and a following after Jesus and a love for God and a love for God's people and a hatred of sin, uh, um, a new conformity to God's will and his ways. And it's not, it's never described as moral perfection, but these are, there's a change in affections, a change in will. Hmm. Regeneration takes place and then faith. The hmm. new birth takes place and now we are so changed as to hate our sin, to repent of our sin, to turn to God and to follow after Jesus, to put off the old man, put on the new man. Hmm. Those are the effects of the new birth. So if you want to know if you've been born again, look for the effects. Are the things that are ordinarily true in one who is born again, are they true in my experience? Am I one who has had their affections actually changed? Hmm. Am I a lover of God and a hater of self and sin? Do I love the will of God, the word of God, the people of God? Do I crave the worship of God and the presence of God? Those are the effects of one who's been born from above. You referenced earlier 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, which says, whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. So mm-hmm. there's this mm-hmm. clear break. There's a stark contrast before our life, before we were in Christ, to our life after we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yet Paul, in, in Colossians 3, he also talks about how we're to put off mm-hmm. Christian people, those who uh-huh. are in Christ, who've been raised with Christ, we're to put off what yeah. is earthly within us. And then and he lists several vices and sins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I am born again, I, I discern myself to be so, how should I understand my sin with respect to my new life in Christ? It's a great question. It's an extremely important question. I mean, basically, the, the, the New Testament's perspective on that is you should understand sin as a present tense reality in your life hmm. as a Christian. I, nowhere does the Bible indicate that, at least in the immediate, salvation and the new birth actually accomplish a state of sinlessness for the believer. We are, we are granted the inheritance of sinless perfection one day, mm-hmm. but it is never pictured as actually making us sinless. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I mean by that is that we no longer sin. And so um, I think this should be part of discipleship for young Christians. They need to be told, now look, by virtue of being a Christian, you haven't become morally perfect. Mm. You have been introduced into a a place of tension and a place of warfare. Paul does acknowledge we have the old man with us. We carry him around with us. Mm. You you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, and yet you you do carry around this old man that's with you. You you, you, you still live under the curse and under the fall. Mm -hmm. You will still be subject to sin in some ways. You will... You're no longer enslaved to sin, mm-hmm. but you still are capable of sinning, and, and no Christian will be perfect. I mean, John says if we say we're without sin, we make God to be a liar. Mm-hmm. If we sin, though, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So I think it's very important, like if, if, if I'm witnessing to a college student and the student comes to faith, part of our next discipleship meeting, or what might, would then be the very first discipleship meeting, I'm going to say, look, wonderful that you've come to Christ. Here's some things you've got to know. There's a dichotomy that's present in you right now. There's a warfare that's present in you. Yeah. You should recognize, like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, he's at war with himself. 
in, in his inner man. He feels this tension, this dichotomy that I, I want to serve the Lord. I have these new affections, these new desires. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. And yet I still find myself at times doing the things I hate. And what's, what's how am I to understand this? Mm-hmm. Well, young Christians need to be brought in on that. Old Christians need to appreciate that. We don't in this life, short of the new heavens and new earth, uh, come to a place of sinless perfection. Mm-hmm. And so we should understand this is a present tense reality, but as a new creature in Christ, I'm to sort of become what I am. I am to labor toward and reach for what I actually am positionally in Christ, and that is one who is um, uh, an inheritor of eternal life and one who is destined for sinless mm-hmm. perfection. And so I'm to lay hold of that. I'm to put off sin, put on Christ. I'm to I'm to be His. I'm united to Him, and therefore I'm to to put away everything that is is um, is is ungodly and unchristlike, mm-hmm. and I'm to lay hold of that which is found in mm-hmm. Christ, lay hold of righteousness and godliness. Yeah, my my heart goes out to that brother or sister who just acutely senses their own sin. Mm-hmm. They they sense they're being oppressed by their their sin that that, that their sin still remains with mm-hmm. them. I think it was probably the Puritan John Owen that most developed that idea in Romans seven that just the that actual war and a sense of that war is a fruit of the spirit yes. is is yeah. is uh proof positive that the spirit is working in you that you have experienced the new birth yes you would agree, would you agree that's something we should encourage our brothers and sisters with yes i think the existence of of fighting uh, the existence uh, a hatred of sin is not a description of a non-christian hmm. H- hatred of sin is a characteristic mark of somebody who's been born again um, and what Paul, I think, wrestles with in Romans 7 is he hates sin but still finds himself at times sinning. How could this be? Well, mm-hmm. you're not morally perfect. You're not mm-hmm. sinless yet. You haven't reached that state where sin will be, sin and death will be destroyed, will be no more. So we walk in this period of tension now, and, and that needs to be recognized. T- to sin does not mean you haven't been born again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you haven't been united to Christ, and people need to appreciate that. But then also now, here's this new motivation. I have been born again, and this mm-hmm. is how the New Testament talks about it. You've been born again, so put out the old stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, live in accord with the new nature you've been given. Become what you are, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that language. So um, that's why you see in, in Colossians 3 and in, in Ephesians 4 as well that put off the old things, mm-hmm. put off the old deeds, put away sin. Put on Christ. Romans 6 uses similar language. You are dead to sin and alive to God. So live in accord with that thing that is objectively true about you. He doesn't say it's impossible that we'll still sin. In the next chapter of Romans 7, he goes on to acknowledge that he still sins. But we're to recognize there are these larger objective realities. I've been made new in Christ, and so there's a way those who, who haven't made new in Christ ought to live. There are, there are actions that are consistent with our new desires and our new affections, and there are actions that are inconsistent with who mm. we are. And so I think we should see sin as, as this is not who we are, this is not actually in accord with our new nature, and we need to put it away. Yeah. Alex, I'd like us to close by just shifting our focus just a bit. You've made a, a clear emphasis that the new birth is, is God's work, mm-hmm. but you were clear in your sermon that it involves a summons to repentance, a summons to believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. I want you to address a person who, who doesn't know if they're a Christian, they want to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's it, This was my experience. I remember asking the Lord to save me yeah. over and over again and just not feeling like I've had a, a zap from heaven, not feeling like I've experienced new birth. Yes, yes. Alex, how can I become a Christian? 
Yeah, I, I would say stop stop pursuing some sort of experience like that. We're we're not told um, at any point if, if someone wants to be saved. We're not instructed. Well, we'll wait around for the new birth to take place. Hmm. I wouldn't say the the new birth involves a summons. I'd say the gospel involves a summons. If someone wants to know how they could be saved, it's to repent of sin and to embrace God's provision in, in Jesus Christ, God's own Son. And I would say that to anyone listening to this podcast. If you want to be a Christian, don't ask yourself, well, am I elect? Or, or when is the new birth going to happen? Do what the scriptures tell you to do. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Run mm-hmm. to Jesus. Come to him and mm-hmm. you will be saved. Come to him as living water. Come to him as the bread of life. Come to him as the Savior who is gentle and lowly and who will offer rest for all those who come to him. Um, you know, the, 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 the call of the gospel is to repent and believe. You don't wait around for anything to do that. And having repented of sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe the promises that Jesus says for all those who do that, mm. that they are forgiven, um, that, that they are saved from their sins, and they, they are united to Christ and made heirs of eternal life. That is the gospel. And there should be no waiting around for something to happen. There should be believing the promise and the pledge that's given in God's word, a response to the offer. And again, I don't believe there's any contradiction here in what I'm saying. The new birth is God's work. He causes us to be born again. And the effect of that is that we do have repentance and faith. Those gifts are given to us. But the call of the gospel is this, to any who would come to Jesus, come to him, and you will be saved of your sins. Repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, have faith in God's own Son and what He's done uh, on the cross for sinners, and, and you will be saved from your sins. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, with that, we are out of time. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you, brother.